Okay, so we're back. Our talk radio live in 4K. Fair use. Joe Biden catches. You know what? where the White House revealed First Lady Jill Biden has tested positive for COVID-19 and is experiencing mild symptoms. The administration says President Biden has tested negative, is being monitored for symptoms, and will undergo regular COVID testing before he's set to travel later this week for meetings with world leaders in India and Vietnam. We've got more from ABC's Justin Finch. First Lady Jill Biden's office describing her COVID-19 symptoms as mild after testing positive for the virus, saying she will remain in the Biden's Rehoboth Beach, Delaware summer home as she recovers. The 72-year-old First Lady was last known to have personal contact with the president Saturday in Florida, where the couple surveyed damage from Hurricane Idalia before returning to Delaware. The White House saying President Joe Biden, who is not with her, tested negative for COVID, but added the 80-year-old will be watched closely for any symptoms and will receive regular COVID testing. It's good to be almost home. The president just attending a Labor Day rally in Philadelphia Monday before his scheduled travel to India for the G20 summit and then to Vietnam. Last summer, the Bidens also tested positive for COVID, with each suffering rebound cases and reporting mild symptoms. The couple was treated with the antiviral medication Paxlovid. Across the country now, reports of COVID cases are rising, with hospitalizations up nearly 20% in recent weeks, but cases remain near historic lows. As millions of students return to school, some educators worry about a COVID surge. In Northern California, COVID tests are getting hard to find. Yep, and that's the thing. Um, You know, the mask mandates are back and People are also will have to face taking the uh, the uh, vaccine, and some people are not too happy with that. Not too happy with that at all. Okay, let's check out this article right here. Outrage as Maryland Elementary School brings back face masks for kids. Elementary school in Maryland has sparked outrage after reinstating face mask mandate despite only a handful of school children testing positive for COVID. In a letter sent to parents on Tuesday, Rebecca Irwin Kennedy, the principal for Rosemary Hills Elementary School, said she made the move after three or more individuals had caught the virus in the last 10 days. She demanded that third graders wear the thick N95 mask to keep our school's environment as safe as possible. Despite a recent study finding that masks expose users to dangerous levels of toxic chemicals, despite Dr. Anthony Fauci actually admitting there was a lack of evidence to the mask to the mask stopping the spread of COVID, Kennedy told parents that the N95 mask will only become optional after 10 days. Her letter caused widespread outrage among those who see the decision as slippery slope back to COVID lockdowns. Donald Trump Jr. even posted a message to X, formerly known as Twitter, do not comply. The Mail Online reports the letter was reportedly sent to parents 
students in one class in the school, informing them that their children will be forced to wear a mask again so they can keep in person teaching. Kennedy wrote that additional N95 masks have already been handed out to students and staff, which they will have to wear for 10 days before they become optional. She added that at-home rapid tests are being sent out by the school alongside CDC advice on how often parents should test their children after exposure. If any, if any time during the next 10 days, your child develops COVID-19 symptoms, such as fever, cough, loss of taste or smell, or other COVID-19 indicators, they should stay home from school and be tested. The letter continues, considering contacting a health provider if symptoms are severe or not improving, or your child at high risk of complications due to COVID-19 infection. Montgomery County Public School System, Kennedy and her assistant principal, Cassandra Scott, did not immediately respond to a request for comment when contacted by dailymail.com. MCPS lifted its mask mandates in March of 2022, and Maryland has not introduced a statewide mask mandate as cases tick up across the country. All right. But uh, let's talk about this Burning Man Festival. Very interesting festival that, uh, you know, I, I can't even uh, <laughs> I can't even show you the video on it, but it's um, it's uh, pretty disgusting. You know, they have orgies there, uh, a lot of uh, new age nudity and stuff like that. But let's get into it. Fair use, by the way. Thousands of people are in limbo at Black Rock Desert after heavy rainfall from Friday into Saturday left them stuck at Burning Man Festival. Rain returned today, leaving festival goers worried about when they'll return home. Our Jaywon Jung spoke to someone who is stranded there and shows us the current situation at the festival site. Officials have told the 70,000 plus festival goers to conserve water, food and fuel as they remain isolated at Black Rock Desert. So far, the only people who have been able to successfully exit the campsite are those with four wheel drive vehicles equipped with off road tires. Meanwhile, everyone else is dealing with practically impassable conditions. Every year, the Burning Man Festival draws in thousands of people. The annual art festival takes place in Nevada's Black Rock Desert, a remote area more than nine hours north of Las Vegas. But extreme weather hit this year's event hard. Friday, mid-afternoon, it started raining, um, and raining like I've never seen rain here. The site was flooded with two to three months of rain in just a span of 24 hours from Friday into Saturday, stranding more than 70,000 festival goers. It's hard to describe the, the ground, how it is, but it sucks up everything. It becomes extremely muddy. Um, and there's literally pools of water. Mark Merlin is one of those stuck at Burning Man. He was able to talk with me through a video call on Sunday. The fact that we have access to Wi-Fi right now, most people don't. This is Merlin's 13th year at Burning Man. He showed me the current scene at the campgrounds. Right now I see walking on the fly. I still don't see any bikes because you're not supposed to. Also, no car on the vehicles. 
Merlin says there is no word on when it is safe to leave. Like if you look outside, um, you can see the still. It's not looking that sunny yet. And with rain hitting the area again on Sunday, the annual tradition of burning the wooden man originally scheduled for Saturday was postponed once again. The thing is, though, <clears throat> this has a, a very sordid history, this uh, Burning Man Festival, okay? And um, a lot of people have, you know, turned up deceased, okay, under very strange circumstances, okay? It was uh, really called the uh, the Wicker Man, all right? So there's a lot of conspiracies, which is, you probably will understand, conspiracy facts about this Burning Man festival. And um, a lot of people have, uh, what, gotten sick there too, as well, coming down with fever. So there's a lot to uh, be uncovered with this uh, Burning Man festival. Okay, let's get into the article about it even more. Okay. Burning Man attendees' death unrelated to torrential rain flooding report. Torrential rain and heavy flooding forced thousands of people at the festival to shelter in place. The death of a man at the Burning Man Festival in Nevada was not related to heavy flooding that forced thousands of attendees to shelter in place over the weekend, leaving them stranded in the desert, according to reports. The Pershing County Sheriff's Office said on, on Saturday that the death happened during this rain event in northern Nevada, though no additional details were immediately released. Event organizers on Sunday, the Independent reported, said the death of the unidentified 40-year-old man was unrelated to the weather. Emergency crews tended to the man on Friday and could not resuscitate him after he was found on the playa, organizers reportedly said. Organizers did not identify the man, though next of kin were notified of his death. No further details have been released as the sheriff's office continues to investigate. The Burning Man Festival, Festival officials did not immediately respond to inquiries from Fox News Digital about the matter. On Saturday, organizers of the Counterculture Festival told attendees to shelter in warm, safe place, and conserve food, water, and fuel amid rainstorms. Both the airport and entrance of Black Rock City, Nevada, where the, where the event is held, were closed because of conditions. The measures came after more than one half inch of rain was believed to have drenched the festival site on Friday. The National Weather Service in Reno said at least another quarter of an inch of rain is expected Sunday. Images of the festival, which began on August 27th, was expected to end on Monday. Show people drudging through mud at the event site located around 110 miles north of Reno. Many of the people making their way through the mud were barefoot or wearing plastic bags on their feet. The annual event is known for the burning of a large wooden effigy, which was supposed to take place Saturday night. Organizers posted on posting an event website the burning would take place on monday night at 9 p.m yeah man i mean i checked out the videos of it it's it's really a nasty thing <laughs> this stuff is nasty man oh gross okay 
But um, let's get into this uh, issue with uh, Georgia governor rejects calls to investigate uh, district attorney Fannie Willis over the Trump election stuff, election scandal. Let's get into that. All right. Fair use. Thing calls for a special session to investigate Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. This in response to Willis's RICO indictment of former President Trump and 18 others. Fox News' Brittany Edney is live outside the Georgia State Capitol with new details from the governor's response to this controversial proposal, Brittany. And while some Georgia Republicans may want to see Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis removed from office, Governor Brian Kemp is not buckling under the pressure from the GOP. I haven't seen anything legally that I think she's done. Now listen, politically, I think this has been drug out way too long. Firm declaration by Governor Brian Kemp as he rejects the push by some Georgia Republicans to remove Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis from office. The governor says he will not be calling a special session to investigate Willis, nor does he believe that move would be constitutional. We have a law in the state of Georgia that clearly outlines the legal steps that can be taken if constituents believe their local prosecutors are violating their oath by engaging in unethical or illegal behavior. Up to this point, I have not seen any evidence that D.A. Willis's actions or lack thereof warrant action by the prosecuting attorney oversight commission. Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones also weighing in, telling us, quote, what Senator Moore is asking for is not practical. Calling individual members out by name becomes a distraction from what we should be talking about, and that is the gross misuse of power, resources, and responsibility from the Fulton County DA. Now let's find out some information about uh, what's been revealed about Ms. Nee Willis. Let's get into that right now. Okay. All right. So, explosive revelation Fannie Willis linked to massive election fraud and money laundering RICO enterprise. In a shocking turn of events, a bombshell investigation has uncovered jaw dropping connections between Fannie Willis and a sprawling web of election fraud and money laundering activities. Fannie involvement will be sure to send shockwaves through the political landscape. The investigation, which spans across multiple states and multiple jurisdictions, has revealed a complex network of illicit operations aimed at undermining the new foundation of our constitutional republic and the rule of law. Sources close to the matter suggest that Willis was a massive beneficiary in the federal and Georgia RICO enterprise. It appears that she is currently playing a role in the orchestrating a systematic scheme to manipulate election outcomes casting doubt on the integrity of the entire electoral process. In the lead up to the 2022 midterm elections, my team uncovered a massive money laundering network of campaign finance contributions being made via Act Blue. One of the top beneficiaries of this money laundering RICO enterprise was none other than Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock. The gateway pundit 
was the first news organization to cover the massive money laundering network that financed the Raphael Warnock campaign. As our investigation progressed, we expanded our efforts into other states such as Missouri, Maryland, Wisconsin, Arizona, and then in every single state. Working with the Epoch Times investigative journalistic journalist, Stephen Kovac, we made a stunning find. Many of the top Act Blue contributors never made the individual contributions. Many of these not employed individual contributors were victims of a highly sophisticated money laundering scheme. The scheme was further exposed when I provided data to James O'Keefe and his people at O'Keefe Media Group, who captured many unwitting money laundering serfs in Maryland. Smurfs in Maryland. This massive ongoing money laundering operation involved wire fraud, evasion of campaign finance limits, structuring of financial transactions, tax fraud, nonprofit fraud, identity theft, and elderly abuse. The RICO operation is still in operation today, using the identities of unwitting elderly and other Democrat voters. This massive RICO money laundering enterprise is the fuel for the entire election fraud RICO operation. The criminal money laundering enterprise operates at the federal, state, and local levels. The first local elected official identifies as part of the ongoing money laundering operation as was Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg received massive numbers of campaign financial contributions from the network of individuals who had been identified as Smurfs. The investigation into Alvin Bragg also helped to uncover the use of prepaid credit and debit cards in the structuring of the campaign finance contributions and the payment of bailout harvesting mules. Does anyone find it interesting that Alvin Bragg charged Donald J. Trump criminally with campaign finance violation while benefiting from a money laundering RICO enterprise? Has Alvin Bragg refunded all of the illegal campaign finance contributions made to his campaign yet? Well, this guy is crooked. Alvin Bragg is crooked. You could look into him and how basically he tried to send people who, two cases of self-defense, he tried to put those people in prison. Two cases. One was a woman defending herself from her ex, her ex uh, spouse. Another was an old man who owned a, a um, bodega and he had to fight because a man was trying to kill him at the behest of his baby mama because the baby mama was too broke to buy anything for her daughter. Her car declined. And embarrassment she sent because he told her to leave the store. Out of embarrassment, she sent her killer simp to try to kill the store owner, but the store owner fought back with a weapon. The systematic funneling of illicit campaign funds, finance funds, was also identified in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race of Janet Protaskowitz. The Janet for Justice campaign took in massive amounts of money from individual contributors who are also identified as part of the nationwide act blue money laundering RICO enterprise. How much did it take to buy a seat on the Wisconsin Supreme Court in 2023? Over 23.3 million was raised mostly from leftist PACs funded largely through source linked organizations and the act blue money laundering enterprise. The nationwide act blue money mules and Smurfs made massive numbers of individual contributions to the PACs that largely financed the Janet for Justice campaign. Should the people of Wisconsin be concerned about the purchase of a Wisconsin Supreme Court seat via a massive nationwide money laundering scheme using the stolen identities of the elderly? How many other judges and courts have been compromised nationwide at the federal, state, and local levels? They say follow the money, and we did. 
okay? <clears throat> I will send the link under this video when it's done. The first time we identified in the Fannie Willis campaign finance report was that there were 20, 222 contributions to her campaign that had zero donor information. Wow. Another point of interest was that many of the campaign contributions to Fannie Willis campaign were from out-of-state contributors. Many of these out-of-state contributors fit the profile of the Act Blue money laundering schemes, victims, and participants that we had identified in every single state across America. All right. The out-of-state smurfs raised significant suspicions. Why would the elderly people who do not contribute to their own local elections be interested in making campaign contributions to a little-known Georgia district attorney beginning in 2022? Upon further investigation, a pattern seemed to emerge yet again. When contacted about making campaign contributions to Fannie Willis, one of the elderly people on the list stated that she had never made a single campaign contribution to her campaign. She assured me that she had not made multiple campaign contributions. Another interesting pattern raised significant questions. Why had this particular campaign contributor been using addresses in multiple states to make campaign contributions? Upon further investigation, this Fannie Willis campaign contributor was registered to vote in several states. Another individual Fannie Willis campaign contributor who had made a single campaign contribution was also identified as an individual contributor making campaign finance contributions using addresses in multiple states to include Florida, Wisconsin, Illinois, and New York. Coincidentally, this individual made identical contributions via Act Blue to the same PACs and campaigns. This made this same individual was also listed as a registered voter in multiple states casting vote by mail ballots. As we investigate all the individual contributors to the Fannie Willis campaign and examine their own ongoing contribution via Act Blue, we see that all of these individuals are making contributions to the same PACs and candidates. This ongoing pattern of activity appears to have started in the great scale in 2018 and has rapidly accelerated at the federal, state, and local levels. One of the out-of-state Fannie Willis campaign contributors has made over 9,178 individual contributions just at the federal level since 2018. What does it cost to buy the Atlanta district attorney race? Wow. Okay, so we see a list here on the right, campaign financial totals, total contributions. Wow. $226,416.15. Total expenditures, $14,425,072. How is it that so many people from out of state that are not employed are making so many campaign contributions to a little known district attorney in Atlanta, Georgia, beginning in 2022. What is being seen at a growing and alarming rate is that the nationwide money laundering RICO enterprise is making more and more contributions to PACs, and these PACs are financially financing local candidates. Many of these PACs have strong ties to the numerous Soros-connected organizations that are acting par active participants in the nationwide election fraud, money laundering, terrorist network, financing, and massive and the massive ongoing RICO enterprise. Since we first exposed the Act Blue Enterprise funding, Warnock and the other Democrat candidates and PACs have started to shift the way that they have been operating. 
However, we have clearly identified who is involved and how they have been illegally financed influencing the outcome of elections nationwide. The criminal organizations also share significant connections to the law firm Perkins and Cole. This is the same law firm that was behind the false claims of Russian collusion on the part of the Trump campaign in 2016. The image below is an excerpt from the disposition of the FBI agent Elvis Chan, where he admits that he conspired to censor Americans on big tech and social media platforms. The activity amounted to the largest campaign finance violations in history of the United States via undisclosed in-kind campaign finance contributions first reported at the Gateway Pundit. Most large criminal money laundering enterprises function with the assistance of willing attorneys and bankers. Perkins & Co. is by far one of the largest beneficiaries of this RICO money laundering network. The firm received vast sums of illicit money via legal fees paid by the PACs and committees who helped launder the campaign finance contributions made in the name of a of over a million individuals whose identities have been stolen and used to structure financial transactions and circumvent federal campaign finance limits. ActBlue and the numerous PACs, nonprofits, and organizations have been utilizing the services of several large banking institutions. They are J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, and Algamated Bank. If these esteemed financial institutions had been doing any form of AML, fraud detection and compliance, they would have filed suspicious activity reports and should have certainly raised alarms. Where these reports filed, who filed the act, has a criminal enterprise infiltration infiltrated the United States Department of Justice and weaponized it against their political opposition, the FEC. How can the Federal Election Commission continue to claim ignorance? The evidence of the massive RICO operation and money laundering enterprise is being directed, directly reported to them. This certainly would fall into the category of willful blindness doctrine on their part. We have seen extensive issues with the way that the FEC is handling the data and the recipients and the receipts, sorry, of these illicit campaign finance contributions. Commissioner Trainer has turned a blind eye to many of these violations. This was reported via personal communications to the FEC covered by the Gateway Pundit. The infiltration of the FEC can also be best viewed through the lens that the FEC claimed that there was no issue with Twitter's censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story illegally interfering with a legitimate legitimate news story that definitely affected the outcome of the 2020 election. The RICO's Act. The RICO Act, which stands for the Racketeer Influence and Corruption Organizations Act, is a federal law in the United States that was enacted in 1970. It was passed as part of the Organized Crime Control Act to combat organized criminal enterprises, particularly those associated with organized crime syndicates. While the Racketeer Influence and Corruption Corrupt Organizations Act is primarily a federal law in the United States. Some states have adapted their own versions of the RICO laws, often referred to as the state RICO or little RICO laws. Georgia is one of the states which has a RICO statute. Congress described RICO as an act designed to prevent known mobsters from infiltrating legitimate businesses. RICO, law, RICO outlaws four types of activities. One, section 1962 prohibits a person from, invest, from investing in an enterprise any income derived from a pattern of racketeering activity to section 1962 prohibits a 
person from using a pattern of racketeering activity to acquire or maintain control over the enterprise. Three, section 1962 prohibits a person from conducting the affairs of an enterprise through a pattern of racketeering. Four, section 1962 prohibits a person from conspiring to violate 1962 A, B, and or C racketeering activity is an element common to all all of racketeering RICO's prohibitions. Congress defined racketeering activity to include a variety of state and federal predict, uh, predicate crimes. RICO is not violated by a single short-term of short-term episode of racketeering. Rather, there must be a pattern of racketeering activity, meaning long-term organized conduct. Persons convicted of racketeering RICO's criminal positions are subject to imprisonment and forfeiture of certain assets. Section 1961 defines racketeering activity broadly to encompass any of the state and federal predicates offenses listed in 1961-1. RICO claims must be passed to an past must be based on actual racketeering conduct, conduct that amounts to garden variety of state law crimes, torts, and contract breaches does not qualify as racketeering activity under RICO. The offenses listed in 1961 are called predicate acts because at least one of them must have been committed through a certain um, to, through a certain RICO claim. All right. <clears throat> but this is something that uh, people really have to start uh, investigating because, yeah, dragging out, you know, dragging Trump out like this. I mean, this is a. Uh, this is wild, man. Insane. Okay. Issues of relating to mail and wire fraud as predicate acts. Mail fraud, 18 USC 1341, and wire fraud are included as racketeering activities and are alleged as predicate acts in a high percentage of civil RICO claims. Criminal mail and wire fraud involves a scheme based on the intent to defraud and use and the use of mail or wires to further that scheme. The specific elements of mail or wire are one, a plan or scheme to defraud, two, intent to defraud, reasonable foreseeability that the mail or wires will be used, and four, use of mail or wires further to further the scheme. Mailing or wiring sent to or delivered through the use of any private or commercial interstate carrier may violate the mail fraud statute. Okay. Do you think the use of grossly inflated vo voter rolls used to send vote by mail ballots to voters with undeliverable mail mailing addresses or for ballot harvesting fits the, requi the requirements for mail fraud? Do you think that using the internet to make fraudulent campaign finance contributions fits the requirements for wire fraud. Do you think that using the stolen identity of elderly citizens to launder money into political campaigns fits the requirement for wire fraud? RICO was designed to prevent the illicit infiltration of legitimate enterprises. This explains why the conduct prohibited in 1962 is unlawful, only if it occurs in the connection with the investment in acquisition of or operation of an enterprise affecting the interstate commerce. In other words, RICO generally does not target the enterprise, but the bad actors who misuse or wrongfully acquire or invest in a legitimate enterprise. Like district attorneys, judges, and other government officials, as the investigation unfolds, more details are emerging 
question, leaving citizens bewildered and demanding answers. The sheer audacity of these actions should prompt calls for an immediate and thorough investigation with many wondering if justice can truly prevail in the face of such staggering allegations. Fannie Willis, once seen as an rising star in Georgia political arena, is now grappling with full-blown scandal that threatens to irreparably tarnish her reputation and upend her career. The implications of these revelations are far-reaching, serving as a stark reminder of the fragility of trust in public officials and the links of some might go for power and wealth. In the days and weeks to come, as the investigation intensifies, the world will be watching closely to see how the authorities handle this unprecedented crisis. The fate of Fannie Willis hangs in the balance, and the truth behind these explosive allegations will undoubtedly reshape the course of history. So I'll be looking into that, man. I'll be looking into that. Because this is, uh, this is hot. This is extremely hot. But, uh, let's, uh, take a look into, um, what's going on with Joe Biden now. Okay. And now he's handling the, uh, East Palestine incident. Get ready to cringe. That's all I could tell you. Get ready to cringe. Fair use. A lot going on here, and I just haven't been able to break. I was thinking whether I'd go to East Palestine this week, but I then was reminded I've got to go literally around the world. Well, President Biden facing scrutiny over those comments. Well, gee, Biden, I mean, that's that's basically your job. I mean, what what else are you supposed to do? I'm saying here, I I don't know what else are you supposed to do, Biden. I'm just saying, just saying. Made this weekend while visiting the areas impacted by Hurricane Adalia. Citing his hectic schedule when questioned about not visiting East Palestine, which is still suffering from the effects of a toxic train derailment that occurred seven months ago. And here to react, we have Ohio residents DJ Yokley, Courtney Miller, and Jamie Wallace. Good morning, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this early. Courtney, I want to start with you. What has it been like for you and your two little ones since this catastrophic train derailment seven months ago? I still have yet to um, take my kids into East Palestine. I'm still fearful of what it's going to cause. I've seen so many other children. I mean, most of us have all ended up sick. I just haven't let my kids set foot there since the derailment. And so you guys have been living in a hotel since the derailment? Yeah, I've been staying at the Davis Motel um, for months now just because I was going back and forth between my parents' house and friends' house. And I just don't, I just still don't feel comfortable. And I don't want to take my kids into something that obviously Biden doesn't even want to show up. So there's obviously some reason as to why he's not coming. Well, and DJ, you know, interesting that the president said while he was in Florida that, you know, his hectic schedule, he's been too busy to come travel to Ohio. Yet, 40, according to the New York Post, 40% of Biden's presidency has been actually spent away from the White House, not working, but on vacation. How does that make you feel? I guess it's tough, right, to, to be on vacation all that time and be that busy. Uh, I, I don't think any American actively wants to root 
against the president. Uh, I, I think that's like rooting against the, your favorite football team because you don't like the quarterback. But at some point, you got to understand if you're not reading the playbook that a change has to be made. This guy has actively not shown any compassion or uh, moral value to anything. Emotionally, physically, he hasn't shown up. Uh, and there's been no help for, for us economically or with our residents. Uh, it, it's really frustrating to see him go and say he's too busy for people that literally put him in the office. Well, DJ, the president has said that he is making sure that Ohio is getting all the materials that they require. But you make an interesting point that while you know funding is one thing, you want to feel that the president is there for you on a different level, a compassionate level. And you don't feel that you've gotten that from President Biden? Not at all. He's the leader of the free world. You want to feel like he's on the same team as you are. Uh, there's been no economic, again, no economic help for us. Uh, there's been no, been no plan for our residents to help the ones that want to leave or help the ones that want to stay. It, it's been a really trying time for our village, and, and we are small-town America. Yeah, you know, Jamie, you are the president of the Unity Council for the East Palestine train derailment. You know, right out of the gate, right after the derailment, you saw a lot of bipartisan support for legislation to kind of ensure that this isn't going to happen again. Um, they came up with the railroad safety bill in part enacted by or proposed by J.D. Vance, but it's kind of come to a standstill. You know, what do you want to see happen? I just want to see federal support come into East Palestine. Um, everyone is focused on the economic recovery, the businesses, uh, putting in a new park, but nobody is focused on the residents. We are here. We are still sick. We do have unmet needs. Um, you know, we need to have representation. This is a person that thought giving $700 each to the Maui residents was going to help. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep at this hearing that's coming up in East Palestine. When our politicians come in, they meet with very cherry-picked um, groups of the community, and it's not representative of most of us. They're still suffering, still in hotels, still relocated. I don't care. This is not a red issue. It's not a blue issue. This is an issue of human lives, and it can happen to every single person watching this that has a railroad track within 30 miles. I feel bad for them, but the thing is, like, I don't, things aren't going to change. Okay. This was deliberately done because there are resources under where these people live. And the blatant disrespect, the blatant disregard, telling these people they could drink the water that when you see videos of the water's not fit to drink. Okay. And people really think that it's, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong. They're telling them to drink that, encouraging them to go back to their houses when their houses are health houses. Their houses are death traps. Okay. People really going to just have to stock up on food, water, and supplies because the government is not here to help you. They are literally trying to kill you. That is what's going on. no other way around it. No ifs, no ands, no buts. I'd like to say uh, also um, briefly, thank you so much for the 5,000 subscribers. Thank you. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into this story right here.
So if you haven't heard, the U.S. Virgin Islands is suing J.P. Morgan Chase, stating that they knew about a billion dollars moving in and out of Jeffrey Epstein's accounts for trafficking. And this is a bigger deal than you might think and not for the reasons you think. And they go on to say that these transactions have been happening for at least 16 years that they know of. And here's why this is a fair use, by the way, bigger deal than what it appears to be on the surface. Banks have the obligation of monitoring accounts to make sure that there's no illegal activity going on. It's called anti-money laundering laws. If they feel like there's something going on fraudulent or there may be money being moved illegally through an account, they will flag an account and shut it down altogether. But J.P. Morgan Chase didn't do that. They allow this illegal activity to continue, therefore purposely going against anti-money laundering laws. which they did. <sighs> the time of the time to name the clients, JP Morgan flagged for over 1 billion suspicious Epstein transfers. I think I did a story on this too. JP Morgan flagged for over 1 billion in suspicious transactions linked to the deceased pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, which the bank reportedly to the U S government at the U S Virgin islands claimed in its lawsuit against the bank. JP Morgan was a full service bank for Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking, said Mimi Liu, an attorney for the US Virgin Islands, which says the enormous sum of bolsters key allegations in their legal action against the bank, which they say knowingly benefited from Epstein's wrongdoing, Bloomberg reports, noting that this is the first time in the case that the sheer volume of Epstein's financial activity at JP Morgan over a 16-year period has been disclosed. The suspicious activity was detailed in 2019, filing to the Department, U.S. Department of Treasury, a U.S. Virgin Islands attorney told the federal court in Manhattan on Thursday the filing was made after Epstein died in Manhattan jail cell a month after his arrest on sex trafficking charges. Epstein had been with the bank from the late 1990s through 2013 when they finally cut ties with him. Okay. Epstein notoriously trafficked some of his victims to a private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. J.P. Morgan denies that it let Epstein's activity slide and says it reported around 150 cash transactions to a federal regulators between 2002 and 2013. Last month, the U.S. Virgin Islands told the judge in the case that the bank felicitated over 1.1 million in payments from Jeffrey from Jeffrey from <clears throat> Jeffrey Epstein's to girls or women, many of whom had Eastern European surnames. Over 320,000 of the payments were made to numerous individuals for whom J.P. Morgan had previously identified payments. Singer wrote accusing the bank of failing to disclose the payments until after the end of the discovery, the period in which parties in a lawsuit exchanged evidence. The bank claims that's irrelevant because the U.S. Virgin Islands doesn't have legal standing to claim J.P. Morgan obstructed a trafficking investigation because it wasn't a victim. That said, Lou is urging the judge to in the case to decide various claims in the U.S. Virgin Islands' favor without a trial. The only reason that, that J.P. Morgan, after 16 years, reported the $1 billion in suspicious transactions was because he was arrested and he was, and then he was dead, she said. J.P. Morgan claims they had no idea what 
Epstein was up to, pointing to dispositions from current and former employees who say they had no knowledge of the trafficking. There is hotly disputed testimony and evidence, said Philia Ellsworth, an attorney of the, for the bank. The U.S. Virgin Islands is seeking at least $190 million from J.P. Morgan. The case is Virgin Islands versus J.P. Morgan, Chase Bank, 22-CV-10904-UA, U.S. District Court, Southern District of New York, Manhattan. I hope they win, but some tells me they may not because there are a lot of people that were involved with Jeffrey Epstein. Not only led to his demise, but they want to keep this hush-hush. They really want to keep this hush-hush. Okay? Because there's no telling of the ugly aftermath of it all. And there's still people's names that are not being shown. Okay? Still there are people's names that are not shown. In those records. All right? So there was fears of um, Trump being uh, unalived. There's also fears of someone else being unalived. Let's check it out. Okay. Elon Musk's dad, Errol, fears his son might be assassinated. Elon Musk has himself joked that he could be the, at risk of getting deleted. Elon Musk's dad, Errol fears the billionaire could be assassinated for going up against the United States government. Retired electromechanical engineer Errol, 77, says he has serious concerns for the safety of the world's richest man, his firstborn son. It comes as Elon, 52, has been well has been wealthing le- legal attacks from the Department of Justice, the DOJ. In July, President Joe Biden suggested that there are lots of ways of investigating the tech billionaire. Musk himself has previously joked he would die in a mysterious circumstances. Now, speaking to the son, Errol says both he and his son are worried about what could happen to the tycoon, reacting to a recent New Yorker piece by journalist Ronan Farrow titled Elon Musk's Shadow Rule. Errol said it's a hit job, a shadow government-sponsored opening salvo on Elon. The artillery, like softening up, of an enemy before the actual attack and preparing of the ever submissive people for the attack. When asked if he feels the shadow government could try and kill his son, Errol said yes. He had previously said he thinks his son needed to beef up his security. The article in the New Yorker claimed Musk's influence is more brazen and expansive than billionaires before him. It was also published just days before the Department of Justice sued Musk SpaceX for allegedly discriminating against an asylum recipients and refugees in hiring. It has since emerged federal prosecutors are probing Telsa's alleged use of company funds to build Musk's Texas mansion. And President Biden has previously suggested that the White House could probe Musk's purchase of Twitter, which he rebranded as X with the help of a Saudi Arabian conglomerate. Biden has previously been asked if he believes Elon is a risk to national security he said Elon's cooperation and or technical relation, technological relationships with other countries is worthy of being looked at. It's funny how you didn't think about this when he was working with Ukrainian Nazis, giving them Starlink. All of a sudden, Elon Musk is the enemy now. Hmm. 
Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting there's worth there's worth being looked at, and that's all I say. There's a lot of ways. Elon Musk we will, has emerged has enraged critics since the taking control of X. He has been accused of allowing a rise in hate speech and disinformation on the platform. Mm. Supporters, however, say this is encouraging the freedom of speech. Okay, its response to criticism. X recently said. We're currently expanding our safety and election teams to focus on combating manipulation, surfacing inauthentic accounts, and closely monitoring the platform for emerging threats. Our work is ongoing. These increased investments in people, policy, and production will further ensure our communities have access to open and accurate, safe political discourse on X. Elon recently joked he could be assassinated after a former Russian space agency boss, Dmitry Rosgan, made a vile thread over the South Africans supplying his Starlink satellite internet service to Ukraine in May last year. Musk, however, appeared more serious when he said in December that there is definitely some risk that he could be taken out. Speaking on a chat on Twitter spaces, he said, frankly, the risk of something bad happening to me or even a literally being shot is quite significant. It's not that hard to kill somebody if you wanted to. So hopefully they don't. And Fate smiles upon the situation with me, and it does not happen. Elon insists his son is, however, a force of good. Arrow insists his son is a force of good. Uh, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think they're all in cahoots, man. And besides, Elon Musk was at the World Economic Forum, you know, deciding with, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab. And he also has said that with the AI, he is summoning the demons. They are summoning the demons. So Elon is not a good guy. Plus, he has also said that the term, the word Nazi isn't what you think it means. After all, Elon Musk did work with Nazis. And let's not start, let's not get on the fact that he is, is he thinks company towns are a good thing for workers in tech. Look up company towns and you tell me if having a company town is good. For anybody. Other than that, I'm done. Um, oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Other than that, I am done. And uh, anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. Okay. I am on Rumble, Radical Thoughts, 791, Spotify, Hard Talk Radio, Live in 4K. Like share comment and subscribe hit that like button to push this channel through the algorithm later